We at Time to Rebuild would like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. At the YMCA Rebuild, we're in the business of reducing recidivism in Victoria and in no way do we condone criminal activity discussed in these episodes. We support victims of crime and are committed to creating a safer community. Welcome to A Time to Rebuild, the podcast that explores the impact of crime from incarceration to positive transformation and everything in between. Nick Cronin. Mark Wilson, how are you? Good, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Good to be back recording again. It's been a, it's been a while between drinks, hasn't it? Uh, we're getting used to saying that now, and I think we start off every podcast saying it's been a while since. Yeah, but I haven't been sick. That's what you usually start next saying that I've been sick, and that's why we're recording. But I'm not. I'm fully health. Well, I'm full of health, and um, this time, so we should be all right. That's it. That's it. Well, we've got. Um, I'm excited today. We've got a great guest um, to chat to, and uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, Dean M. Lloyd. Now, Dean, what's the M for? Michael. Oh, good name. I thought it would be. It's, you know, it's, so, it's uh, funny, that one, because someone has to, sorry, maybe we should introduce me. But anyway, um, someone's taken it and used Mitchell. So it, they police think I've got an alias, um, which I, I don't. Uh, and it's either someone's tried to do that or some person has incorrectly uh, written down Michael as Mitchell. And it's just been, yeah. so yeah, I have an alias. But yeah, it's, it, right, right. after 20 years of being out of prison, I have an alias. It's like, why would I come up with one now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, glad we clarified that, mate. So, uh, um, what we normally would do would be give you a little bit of an intro sometimes, but we also try to our guests to give them a like to get to get to know them as well. So we, we don't need to do um, too much on bios and so forth because you're going to give us your whole kind of bio in a sense of what we speak about today as well. But, um, but it might be good to let us know... Um, what your company is that you're working with and what it does and so forth as well. And then we can just, you know, kick in, kick in a little bit if you're okay doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a consulting business, let's say, uh, Lloyd consulting who specializes in criminals, uh, tongue twister, uh, specializes in criminal or criminalized behavior, uh, and supporting people to exit the justice system. Um, I advocate to organizations and government, uh, around the value of diversity and inclusion, uh, especially um, justice-involved or impacted people. Um, I've written change programs, employment programs, um, and I provide uh, lived experience supervision as well, uh, which I think there's a growing demand and need for that as the sector grows. Uh, and so Lloyd Consulting's ethos is we take a safety-first approach uh, through personal responsibility and solutions focused to systemic change, uh, specifically in the justice system, uh, as I have lived experience in that space. So yeah, that, in a nutshell. Love it, love it, love it. and um, and uh, that's um, that's great. And what we might um, what we might do is we're gonna we're gonna go back and revisit all that um, as we go through the conversation, and we're gonna go through a few of them topics because um, obviously there's some great stuff in there that we want to unpack with you. Um, but let's just, um, if we can like bring it back a little bit, yep. um, 
tell us a bit a little bit about yourself as you're growing up and and uh, where you came from and so forth and what you were like going going in them early years yeah 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 so um i'm when they do the research on the dot the, the outlier so i had a really good upbringing i was you know my dad was a real estate agent in the 80s in new south wales um he my dad had a tough upbringing he was the man of the house at 12 so that's sort of he done everything not to pass that on to me, um, which was, you know, I'm grateful for, and I can see that now. Uh, however, you know, through his inability and my mum's inability, I, you know, through their ability to do with what they had, um, you know, I was a curious young individual, let's say, um, and, you know, still am, and probably coming to more comfortability around that now, you know, I was really curious. I always pushed the boundaries. I was quite good at sport. Really wasn't interested in that. Like, you know, that other stuff at school was just really confusing for me. Like at that age, um, I was somewhat popular. Uh, the captain of this football team, that sort of stuff. Um, I enjoyed school. It was fun. Um, you know, I didn't have traumatic experiences. Um yeah, until until I actually entered the justice system. It was probably, I was like 15, 16, and I started sort of smoking dope with older kids in the neighbourhood. And, um, you know, that was a slow progression to uh, the, you know, the heroin epidemic in Cabramatta. Like that was sort of, I was just alive at that time and that was sort of where it ended. And that ultimately led to criminalising my behaviour or that substance dependence. Um, you know, when I'd done, um, you know, desperate behaviour, desperate behaviour, um, poor, uninformed decisions, uh, you know, ended me up in prison. Um, in, so 1999, um, December the 28th, 1999 is when I went to jail. Um, so, yeah, and they were worried that the prison was going to shut down, you know, that were, were you guys alive then? <laughs> Uh, yeah, trust me. I, I know, know some not... people that weren't, so that's why I'm asking. No, 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 no. I was, I was actually just. I'd had to come back from backpacking in Australia around that time, so I'm a little bit older. And I don't know if I'm asking enough to words that he's young here. He must be, but I'm glad you thought I was because I certainly don't feel it. But uh, I was yeah, year no. six. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Mark, this is what was happening. They were really concerned that this global. What was it called? The was it a bug, a worm, oh. or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Y two K. Y two K. Yeah, yeah. It was going to shut us all down. Yeah, yeah. And the prisons would just open, and everyone would just run free. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So I think I got arrested on the twenty eighth, and it took me a few days to get up to. So I was in Wollongong, and it took me a few days to get up to Silverwater. And um, you know, my desperation at the time was I couldn't get any heroin. Um, and I couldn't get any methadone. I was on a methadone program as well. And um, so I decided to rob a corner store with my own car um, in broad daylight on box. So you can imagine, well, you can't maybe, but uh, 25 years ago, there was nothing open on those, you know, nothing, not one thing. And the, the corner store was the only thing open, you know, this little mum and dad corner store doing their best, you know, trying to make money. And um, I ran in there and demanded the cash and, uh, you know, I was yeah, arrested within a couple of days um, and, yeah, spent a few days in Wollongong cells with no method. I was hanging out like bad. I had a, so I had a raging habit um, mainly because 
I'd done a lot of crime before that that I got away with, <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but yeah, that ended me up with, you know, I had like this massive um, habit that I couldn't sustain. Like I, you know, the money that I got from that, I think it was $127 or something like that. Sad. And, you know, the person was injured in the, you know, commission as well. So I'm not like, it's not, it's, it's the lowest point in my life, really. You know what I mean? Um, like just basic animal fucking desperation. I couldn't, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the methadone process, but um, if you tick up seven days, you can't get. So they'll give you, it's that with any good drug deal, the first one's free. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, this is the government. And then, you know, seven days later, with like a $500 a day habit and an 80, 80 mil um, drink of dough, like I was, <laughs> I was sick. <laughs> And, and wanting it to end as well, you know, please just like I'd been to rehab, I'd done all that sort of stuff at that stage. And um, that was the desperation that I got to. Um, and yeah, ended up in Silverwater prison. Uh, I think it was just before New Year's Eve. And I was like, so sick. I hadn't had my dome for three days. Uh, I hadn't had a shit like nothing, just like there. Yeah. And um I was in the um, in reception in the dry cell, so there's just perspex screen, and the screws have the remote, so they change the channel. <laughs> um, and yeah, two out in that, and I at those days they gave you a pouch of um, a reception pouch of tobacco, <laughs> um, and I woke up the next day, and the like the guy I was two out with was like, I can't believe you slept through that last night. This whole place was on fire. <laughs> So around 8.30, they come around and gave me eight Valium and, and my drink of dome. <laughs> I was right. gone. So you were out. Just gone, cold. Uh, and I woke up and this guy had spilt his whole power. I couldn't roll a cigarette to save his life. And I thought, I'd never been a pro- This is my first contact with the justice system. Um, and I was like, fuck, I'm going to be like doing, this is it. I'm in jail. This, I'm going to be like this for like the rest of my jail sentence. Um and yeah, lo and behold, you know, luckily it wasn't. And I, I moved down and, um, you know, the first day, and this is where my trauma starts. The first day at Silverwater, I was two out with, um, it was a friend of a friend. And um, I was sitting there and the guy was about a meter away from me. And the guy I was, so the, my cellmate that I was two out with just walks over to this guy, pulls a cricket stump out of his back and just splits this guy's head open like a watermelon. And I've just gone, fuck, I'm, I'm like, I have to go in a cell with this guy later. And him and his mates just proceeded to kick this guy around the yard for about 25 minutes before the guards come. And this was my fifth or sixth day in prison. My second day at uh, MRRC. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm this white kid from the fucking suburbs. <laughs> it's like... Everyone's walking around going, do it in the drawer. And I was like, fuck, there mustn't be anyone left in Mount Druitt. They're all in here. Um, so, yeah, it's it was a real eye-opening experience, like a real sort of jarring, like, worlds. You know, I was a, uh, I was a surfer. <laughs> I, I was a sports guy. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know. And that, that said, I remember... Um, you know, I I was at MRRC in Pod 13 for a, for a while, and um, I was a sweeper there. 
and um, the sergeant of arms of the Comanchero is coming. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm the sweeper now. I was like, yeah, you're the sweeper now. <laughs> I was like 60. At this stage, I was 65 fucking kilos. I was still fucking just coming off a you know, significant heroin addiction at 20-something. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done my time as easy as I did. He, he said to me, come and do laps in the yard with me every morning. And he'd tell me these stories, and they were horrific. <laughs> Um, you know, just sort of the way that he lived and the lifestyle and, you know, that sort of whole approach to, and he said, people will see you with me and they won't fuck with you. And I was like, sweet. And, um, you know, he really done right by me. You know, he stood in the middle of fucking, um, the pod and said, if anyone's got a problem with him, they've got a problem with me. And like, I was at that stage, um, you know, there were some heavy dudes in there that are now in Golden Supermax for, um, you know. Terrorist defences, I think. Um, so yeah, um, there's, some, there's some stories going there. On, <laughs> going back on that thing, just touching on that, yeah, because you yeah, would, yeah. obviously will get to your work that you do now. You know, obviously helping people within the custodial systems and so forth as well. Yeah. Um, back in 1999, um, you know, was there anything such as peer prisoners? Was there anything such as that Ooh. existing, or was it just all? It was it all just uh. in house. I, like you just said, kind of older school kind of, you know, um, style to that. Or was there anywhere where people were supporting young people or new people coming into the prison? Can uh, you remember that? So there was Kairos that was probably the, it's a religious service um, that they would come in out of faith and, and, and there was 12-step stuff, uh, which is peer-related and peer-based. But, um, you know, I don't, no, I can't. Well, I... I've got a close mate that's worked for 25 years or, you know, odd, and he's, no, it wouldn't have been 20 years. I think he's about 25 years clean, but he's worked for the just, like criminal justice department for about 19 years. And it was only when he recently sort of reapplied for another job and disclosed his uh, lived experience that he didn't get the job. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, insane, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird, um, uh, I don't know, it's... Yeah, that whole pro. I, I wouldn't. I don't subscribe to peers working in that environment. I don't think it's healthy. Mm. I don't think it's a trauma informed practice. Um, so yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. Definitely wasn't back then. Nah, that's and th- tell us um, how did you go um, with the rest of your with the rest of your time? Like, did you did you um, did you just have so one, I, one visit into? Into prison. Yeah, so you, that was how did you get on, and, and how long did you spend, and, and that self? So I got a four-year sentence. I ended up doing two, and I done two years uh, community order, um, and successfully completed that. I got arrested on the last day of my parole. Um, I was still dabbling at that stage and hadn't quite. So I, I so I had a co-offender. Um, I proposed to her on the back of a prison after we got sentenced on the escort van. Uh, she said yes. That's, rom- that's romantic. That's yeah, romantic. I know. They used to call us uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, no, no, Bonnie and Clyde. They used to call us. <laughs> Just, yeah. Anyway, um, that's a, uh, that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, we're getting into another episode so, now. Sorry, I've, I've lost my train yeah. of thought now. Um, so yeah, proposed <laughs> her on the back of the escort. Got married. So she got out a year before me. She got clean and was doing really well, like really well. Um, for a year and I got out and I ruined her life pretty much. We had a kid, we started using again um, and uh, you know, that child was a methadone baby and I, she, she still feels the impact of that. Um, I still experience the impact of 
that, her siblings and her um, stepmother still, uh, you know, uh, experiences the impact of that. My parents still experience the impact of that. Um, you know, if you want to know why people say don't get into a relationship with anyone you met in rehab, I can, you know, to send them my way because I met her in rehab. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, and I, I went on to, you know, this is, I then when I successfully completed that, uh, sort of stumbled around for probably about three years after, after that sentence and fell into the family business, which is real estate. Um, so, yeah, went and just, my dad just said, come and answer the phones. Just sit in the office and answer the phones. And that was pretty much all I was capable of doing. But that's the privilege, you know, that's the privilege that I had. And it's not lost on me that that was an opportunity that I had to get into work and, you know, eventually had a successful, you know, 10 year career in real estate that, that led to me having somewhat of a midlife crisis, depending on who you ask, uh, you know, leaving that business that I just had to stick around for and inherit, the, you know, was it 50 years he'd been in business, I think. Um, so yeah just uh, i had a you know i quit uh, had a falling out with him took the family to bali for um a few months you know i skipped over that I, you know i got remarried i had two more kids um you know took that family to bali for a, a few months fell out with uh, you know family come back and decided i wanted to work in the in the community sector and that's when i started to face discrimination so 10 issues out of prison trying to get a job and they're like oh you know it's criminal record check criminal record check criminal record check um and eventually the so i work now i do work now on a daily basis for a community housing organization and um you know grateful for that bridge bridge housing they gave me an opportunity they took a chance on me 10 odd years ago um and i was like when can you start i said tomorrow and they said great come on in and you know worked for them for about 18 months sort of realized it wasn't what i wanted to do then went on to work at glebe house um you know that's a program supporting men in through abstinence uh out of the, the new south wales prison system three month intense program uh, then into outreach and then worked for rainbow lodge which is the oldest boarding house in australia which is a harm minimization model uh, same as the Glebe House, but just a harm minimisation. So you can be on maintenance and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then worked for a couple of other organisations. Started to do some consulting of my own. Uh, then COVID hit. Um, and then, you know, fell into a job uh, with some friends in an Aboriginal community controlled organisation. Uh, sort of helped help them a little bit. And then now back working for Bridge Housing. Uh, as a programs manager in their housing first model, um, which I love, you know, providing housing and support for homeless, uh, rough sleepers and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's sort of where, yeah. you know, fast forward. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, still sort of they, um, you know, if I, if I work hard enough there and do enough hours, they give me a flex day, which then I can do some consulting and, and advocacy work on the side as well. Awesome. Yeah. And so I guess where was the chance that you got when you started working community services? Because you mentioned that, you know, you had some roadblocks and everything at the start. 
Um, what was that? I guess was there was there a moment or a person or an organisation? Yeah, well, it was that, Bridge um, essentially that changed the tide. Was it and Bridge? then yep. and then I got my first gig, and then so after the, about eighteen months there, I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really want to be in real estate anymore. It was still a bit of a sore point, um, and I, you know, I I felt like I had. So my ultimate goal was to write up. So I got released from Long Bay and they had a Naranura program. So it was a, it was a sort of a step out program. You got a few day releases and you interacted with the community. And I thought it had merit and value and it helped me somewhat to integrate and understand that, that sort of process uh, getting out. And I thought, I want to go back and I want to write a program like that. That's, I, I, I feel like I can add value that. I feel like I can bring what I've got and add value. Uh, look, I have a solution. And um, so I applied for the job. At, so off the back of uh, the guy that wrote the program, I'm friends with him um, outside of the whole scenario. And um, he said, I'll apply for the job anyway. Went for the job. I got the job. Uh, disclosed that the very first point of contact uh, around, you know, records and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I got a email saying congratulations and then about 15 minutes later i got a phone call saying sorry um when we put your name in the system you come up as an unsatisfactory person uh what the fuck does that mean and um he was like oh look mate that's above my pay grade here's a number good luck with it i think you were by far and away the best candidate but sorry what can i do i was like yeah i understand it's not like you're working within whatever and um so yeah that resulted in a three-year uh battle at the human rights commission uh, with corrective services, New South Wales, uh, ultimately having a decision made in my favour for them to change their policies and approach and practices and procedures around employing someone with a criminal record. So what would have had to have happened is I would have had to click through 16 times to find their policy on employing someone who has done over 24 months in prison. So if you got sentenced to 24 months or over, which I was four years, so yes, um, the instant no, but you can say, hey, you can sort of preempt that and say, hey, this is sort of the scenario. I've done this, that, and other, but you know, to click through six, I wouldn't have applied for the job. Um, so that sort of um, that was sort of where my first for advocacy came from, and then I got my first job at um, Rainbow Lodge, where my lived experience of the criminal justice space was a prerequisite. I was like, hey, here I am. I'll have a crack at this. And I got interviewed by a panel of judges, you know, um, district court judges, learned people. One who probably really ignited the passion. Like, I remember my interview. They're like, okay, we've got to finish. He just kept asking me questions. And I was being really, I was really frank with him around like, you know, this is the reality. He's like, I'm so sick of this. I, I'm try- I can't sentence people to prison anymore. Like a, essentially he quit, he yeah. quit being a judge because he couldn't do his job to the, to the sort of level that in standard that he wanted to, which like yeah. respect for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, I get, um, cause I run programs as well in prisons and, uh, I get a lot of people that do my course and everything like that while they're in prison go, Oh, I want to be a youth worker, I want to be a social worker. I want to get into community services. Yeah. What boxes do you reckon they need to tick? What, uh, what hurdles do they need to overcome before they can go face to face in the community? Uh, so the one te- so the program that I run and, and the, you know, how I got value in, in running the lived experience stuff is 
you know, when you get the buy-in from the guy that's doing the lot, you know what I mean? So he was getting out and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I'm ready. And this, this, that, and the other. I said, oh, shut your mouth, you fucking dog. <laughs> and I could see it just like cut him to the bone. And I was yeah. like, mate, it's just a fucking word. Like when you're in the community and someone says that to you, what are you going to do? And he's like, just he, like he, he, it fell silent and it cut him so hard he got up and left. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he come back the next week to his credit and just went, thank you. You prepared, like, he said, I thought I was ready. And he said, I still feel like I am. However, like, I would never seen that coming. And, yeah. and that, so yeah. the, the governor used to come around and it's like, it's like, what are you doing there? I was like, I just tell him the truth. <laughs> She's like, oh, 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 oh. Um, so that, that, like, I, you could see them as they, I was trying to prepare them, you know, so it was a three-month program that crescendoed. You had to be within the last six months like to release so it really crescendoed in like let's prepare you for release like you know this is going to be yeah. difficult this is going to be the reality you might not get money you might get money who knows where you know like let's unpack what you think is going to happen because you know there was a guy there that um he was in a dv situation and he said oh i'm going to do this when i get out i was like oh, okay yeah brother. so have you spoken to that person um no i'm going to write on the letter i said like, okay when i come back next week I'll talk about it more then. I was like, okay, have you written a letter? Oh, no, no. I spoke to her on the phone though. I was like, well, what'd she say? It's like, mate, she doesn't even know that you're coming back to her house. <laughs> it's all in your yeah. head. Um, so yeah. these sort of realities and snapping them, you can see as he got closer to release, his eyes just got wider and wider, like he was just a deer in headlights being released. Um, so, you know, that's, for me, that's where the important work is. Um, you know, there's a traumatic, you know, it's, it's, it's recognized as a traumatic process, prison release. Um, mm. and you go from, so violence is the solution in prison to it's, it's yeah. not. And it's like the furthest thing, it's yeah. the last thing from solution. Um, so how, like, where do you get those skills from like that width of a gate, <laughs> you know what I mean? In the end, yeah. like, where do you, yeah. like, you know? Uh, you put on this, uh, put on the armor every morning when the door swings open in jail. But then when the door swings open there, it's like fuck. I don't need this anymore. But I'm going to keep carrying it because I don't know how else. Yeah. And then they start reaching out for other things like the dope, the fucking out, whatever. The girls, like they'll just reach until yeah. like they yeah, can just fill themselves up with that so they don't feel because it's such mm -hmm. a traumatic experience. <laughs> Is it um, a thing as well, like when you're talking that, Dean, um, that's a case when you're in custody, if you're in custody, and, and obviously even if you're in the community where you're dealing with stuff, yeah, um, and the intent is always really great when you're in a reflective mode and, and things are, you know, you're, you're not normally, you know, doing the things that are that are your challenges in life or your demons in life as well. So um, I know this as well from working in, in the field that, I've had the most amazing people who've had the most great intent to say, oh, I'd love to go and walk in this space. And then you make some amazing points there as well. And then you just think, well, you know, have you walked on yourself fully enough oh. at the moment? Because you can't help anyone else until you help yourself. And you, and I know you're feeling good now and your intent is good. You don't want to down it, but you got to go, look, you know, you need to really make sure that, you know, your primary goal is you. And then from that, you can help, you know, you might, you can help yeah. others then later on. Yeah. Oh, and do you the, see that a bit? Oh, for sure. And I think something that's really practical that you can do 
working with children's check. I don't know what it's like where you guys are. You're working with children's check and a cert three in community services. Like just do something, like take a bite and start chewing yeah. on what it is that you're stepping into because, you know, the theory is, uh, am I here uh, and I, am I part of the problem or am I like, am I propping this up and keeping it going? Uh, or am I part of, how do I ensure that I'm always going to be part of the solution? And, you know, there's, there's been a massive sort of, well, not massive, but a real push for lived experience in the space, in all sorts of spaces, which I really think there should be and should have been. However, like this, the solution is collaborative, co-design, co-production together. Uh, and, you know, you can see it from what's recently happened with voting in this country. It's like division is the enemy. Like, you know, we're humans. And when we take a humane approach, um, you know, when I treat myself kindly, I treat you kindly. That sort of, a, like, how can we get to that? That sort of, you know, I've just recently traveled for a fellowship and all that sort of stuff. And that's the, that's the key takeaway that I've come away from the Netherlands approach and the Dutch approach. It's a real humane approach that they take to justice. They have a real focus. They have a real focus on spitting people out better so the issue they have is that their average sentence is three months uh, and they don't have enough time to do the work required to support people when they get released. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's super interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing you when, I think I reached out to you when you were on your, going on to your yeah. travels and so forth as well, which was, which was great to keep in, I was watching them when you were in America, New York, I think you were in Rikers and a few other places you were going and meeting people. Yeah. And really quickly on, on something as well, like, so you're doing consulting, right? And just so, just for our listeners as well, like who are you consulting with as well? Like are you working with businesses, government, um, yep. you know, um, aid, community agencies? And if so, what is the key points or the, the, youth, the key areas, should I say, better, better wording, the key areas that you are, you know, working strongly with them to consult on to make some positive change? Yeah, um... So I've worked with like prisoners aid stuff, uh, both New South Wales ACT. Uh, I do a bit with VACRO, uh, just sort of um, casually uh, ad hoc with them. Um, I recently consulted with the federal police. Uh, they had a reducing recidivism roundtable uh, around their targets and and just realistic conversations. At the moment, I I feel like there's appetite, um, and it's about working out where. I can best use my experience to make the greatest impact in a system. Not so much, hey, look at me and I'm just going to smash it all to pieces. It's like, where can I and listen out and try and tune in and aware of what it is systemically that my uh, insight, awareness, skill set can impact the greatest? Because uh, everyone has to do a job here, you know what I mean. This isn't a like we all need to be in the in the in the same boat, facing in the same direction, rowing in the same direction, and that's not as easy as you might think. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you if there was one thing that you would say that would be a real game changer, you know, if there's one thing that you no, 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 there's nothing for the cult. There's for so the this, this, is, this like, is what we're sold. This is the issue. This is what we're sold. There's a one mm. thing. There's a, you know, what's that one size fits all? This is, so what I, okay, what I'll say to that is become become comfortable being uncomfortable because we need to disagree for things to move forward. Mm. 
we need to just we need to nut things out because what works for me won't work for you and it's not mm. as if we just need to so what i experience in the netherlands is i caught a train to a sort of a rehab or it's a government sanctioned rehab i don't know if you've yeah who's do you, are you aware of who's what who's does as a treatment facility in new south wales no anyway so they're they're a fairly large government sort of subsidized um anyway so it's similar to that but in the netherlands so the guy that i was meeting there he worked there he was lived experience uh 20 odd years in and out of prison um and then i caught the train to that prison uh, not a prison to the rehab uh it looks like a prison <laughs> it's got walls like a prison and, and yeah anyway that's the whole but it, inside it's a bit different um so caught the train to that prison with the former governor of the prison who helped that guy get released from so he allowed him to write his own release plan and gave him the tools to access what he needed like realistic you know what i mean not like i want an airplane and a air balloon yeah uh, it's like you know let's you know you're old enough and mature enough to know what's right from wrong now Let's give you an opportunity and let's give you access to what you need. Successful. And this, yeah, and this, yeah. go- so this governor is having this guy over for dinner at his house. Like, where do you see that anyway? Like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the mindset that they have. Like, it's, it's like, so what happened? I was with like more of a bureaucrat and we're going into an actual prison. Um, and so Toon or Tone was his name. Good guy too. Uh, he was, uh, manager of operations for like six or seven prisons, I think. And he took me to a country one and I said, oh, what can I take in? He said, what do you need? I was like, oh, can I take my computer? Do you need it? I was like, oh, I don't know, do I? He's like, well, if you need yeah. it, just bring it. I was like, oh, I might need it, so I'll bring it. And he goes, okay, then. What well, can I bring my phone? Wow. Do you need it? I was like, well, I want to take a photo, but I don't know if I can. Oh, you'll have to ask the governor that. So I'll bring it. Yeah, okay. So I'm in the prison. The governor's taking a photo of me with someone's bird on my arm from my phone. Yeah, well, different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And on, on, on that point, though, it'll be interesting to get your take on this. So, um, because a lot of people look to the you know Scandinavian countries and, and the Netherlands and so forth, yeah, yeah as yeah. a you know different way of, talk, um, of doing things, and you can see the results that they might have and, and the impact that they might have as well. How do you feel coming back then to, you know, a New South Wales might be a bit different to Victoria, but if you think of Australia in general, how do you feel? Yeah. Do you feel like any optimism that actually that could actually, they could, they, we could look at these models because it's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's a different uh, system here yeah. and you have to have people see it from the way that you probably see it or they see it. How do, what's your, I'd be interested to get your insights on that and what you think, um, you know, coming back from that and seeing that. Uh, definitely, what, what there's, there's pockets that are happening now already, I believe. Like Corey Court, um you, you guys have got that in victoria yeah yeah so yeah they have a thing over there so they're early intervention and and prevention yeah that's that's their ethos it's with a humane approach in my experience that's that was sort of what i experienced so what that means is they um you know they try to get in early and prevent it and they're really good at that and they're really good at stopping people from coming back once they're out However, this is the thing that surprised me the most. Um, so when you measure the recidivism rates for incarcerated individuals uh, to Australia the same way, there's not that much of a difference in recidivism. 
for incarcerated individuals. When it's community corrections orders and prevention, significant difference. Significant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was the thing that surprised me. And, well, I don't know if it did um, because I, I sort of did go to there with that, you know, this is the silver bullet scenario. This is the panacea that we're going to all drink the Kool-Aid um, scenario. However, what I learned was prison's prison. It doesn't matter where it is. It's mm. like... Mm. It's an industrial complex. It's designed to be punitive, restrictive, and remove people's liberty. Like that's its design and purpose. So like you can't, I don't, in my opinion, you can't heal people and help people improve their lives in those environments. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that is why I am reluctant to engage with and work with prisons the industrial complex if you will yeah because i just don't i don't believe in the value like just do your job mate just stay over there and don't all i'm asking is don't fuck them up anymore mm. like don't do any more harm which you know yeah. the majority so prison generally compounds the issues of those we carcerate yeah it doesn't sort of, you know, it's a great deterrent for the vast majority of population, yeah? Which is great. It works, like, as a deterrent. And then about 10%, the murderers, rapists, pedos, you know, those guys, that's about 10% of our population. So the, the other 90%, we're treating them exactly the same. So prison as a construct, I agree. You know, when people, when I say, you know, abolish prisons, um, you know, I understand like it's a hard set, you know, and, and it's not like I don't prison as we know it. I don't believe it's like prison as we know it is barbaric, antiquated, violent, and obsolete. It's unable to provide solutions for a modern, healthy, mature, informed society. Yeah. So what can we do instead of like focusing on how shit it is? Let's make it obsolete. Let, let's build something and design something that can capture the people on the outsides where like, that's where I have the power. I can't work in prison because I go in there and they tell me how I do it and what, how it works. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Like that's, that's how it's designed, Like that's its design and purpose. Whereas when guys are out, the barriers and discrimination that they face into employment, into housing, into like whatever education, I can work on that. I've got power there. Mm. I've got like, you know, whatever stopping them from going in i've got power there too like these are the these are where we need like it's not prison's responsibility to solve recidivism it creates it mm. <laughs> it can't yeah. but like it, like it can't it's really interesting what you've just raised there like like thanks for that insight it's really interesting like and and um it makes a lot of sense everything you say Dana, makes a lot a lot of sense um so is it fair to say then that, you know, you haven't or you're, you know, with your consulting, it's, it's purely, are you purely in the community? Have you ever, have you been in the prisons and spoken? Oh, no, and, I saw and, and I wrote a it? pathways program for, so, well, I wrote a pilot program, but I was working as a contractor for another organization. Yeah. Right. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, look, I've gone back and worked as, you know, as other in, 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 incantations in other orgs as well, but that's where I've landed on it. I still yeah. do believe that as a best practice, three months prior engagement, post, like pre-release, is the best 
modality of supporting people to transition out to. So like, yeah. I still see that as, you know, as an important and integral part. However, whatever you do before that, I don't really care. Like yeah. you just don't damage them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see a consulting, um, where, where do you see that going and, and, and maybe broadening out or stretching out? Where would you like that to, to really land um, in the future? Yeah, probably policy, really. Um, like that's sort of where I have a real appetite for. Um, I don't, I, I'm getting pulled a bit into the youth justice space and I just don't, like I've never been to youth, like I, I don't, uh, I, I wouldn't consider myself an, like I can get guys, that, like and I know lots of guys that have, I uh, got access to that. So probably growing and developing the sector as well. So like bringing other people up because I don't know, um, you know, it's, it's not lost on me, my ability to articulate um, and my privilege. Let's just say it as that. Uh, there's not too many people in the space in Australia that um, have that um, as well. So yeah, it's probably just an education and awareness program and process around all of that stuff, around what I believe in and what I value. And from all of the knowledge and education that we have around gut health, like just around that whole, you know, we've, what did I say? Um, we've, we're in an innovation evolution at the moment. Everything is just being regenerated and we're learning so much and we have so much information, true and false, to just like consume. It's very hard to sort of decipher, you know, where that's gonna land. And you were mentioning before, right at the beginning of the of the episode, about uh, lived experience supervision. Yeah. So is that I'm assuming you're working with guys uh, and girls, um, yeah, supervising once they're out, they're employed. No, so yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> I thought you said, uh, while they're on supervision. No, not while they're on supervision. Orders. No, yeah. that's not my goal. Uh, no, so yeah, <laughs> when they're working more, I can work with them like around if they're just like digging holes as well, that's fine. Like I, can, I still have yeah. the capacity to do that, but just more as a sector development around where are they getting stuck? Where are they like, what's tripping people up? How, you know, the, those yeah. sort of, you know, how can we, you know, assess and uh, improve scenario. And, and yes, nice. it's, you know, yeah. as, as a group practice probably at the moment, like, you know, trying to get a, a a few people together so they know that they're on you know they're all together and that you know that's how we want to set the system up as well like you know let's support each other let's talk to each other and let's you know improve and develop and grow because it's very very new yeah, yeah. nice nice in new south wales yeah it's where you yeah. you, you, you do your work it's where you, you, you and that, what's the what's it like with peers and people that you can lean out to and work with and support and, and vice versa is it a good is it a good community there Dean in the work that you're doing um, to be able to you know share ideas initiatives challenge each other and so forth as well yeah or is that something that you think needs to grow a bit more oh, I, th I still think there's a little bit of sensitivity in the space just around disagreement and conflict um, mm. and I you know I wasn't that skilled at doing that either. So like I own that um, and I'm aware of that, but um, you know, understanding how to value that difference, how to respectfully disagree, um, how to advocate. Uh, so yeah, they are all skills that I really, um, I'm personally developing and value in the organization that I currently work with. There's a few people in my team. Um, and I always say, we may, may we never agree, you know, 
because uh, and we're, we're all like really passionate about the work we do um, and and see things differently you know and I'm oh there's two people no there's another there's another girl in our team that has lived experience of this not of justice but of homelessness um, and then the other two uh, they don't but um, you know that you can tell that um, they do the good work yeah, I think it's it. Look, it's always important to have different views, and otherwise, it's a very boring place, and we're not going to get anywhere oh. if we're all thinking the same thing, unless the same thing is the right thing. And I don't think we're always always right. Yeah. So I, I like, I, always, so I always like, I like, to like say that. that uh, to people, thank you for providing me with the opportunity to say I was right. <laughs> Doesn't happen often, but thank you. Yeah, no, but you make look. I think that's great. Like even speaking to you today, you made some amazing points, and you've really, you know, I think you challenge. You know, you put that challenge out there for people to think a little bit differently about things, and I think that's what everyone needs, and that's what we love bringing people onto this podcast. We don't want the same. We want people that are doing things, but they don't have to do the same thing all over. We don't always do the same thing. We need people that see things differently and challenge things differently because that's how we can get really, really strong community um, conversations. But I think you mentioned the work. There needs to be that healthy respect. Or where people are coming from so that we can actually you know disagree but respectfully disagree or respectfully agree you know what yeah. i mean so i think mm-hmm. dean you you do you've been doing that you did that brilliantly today and what you brought forward to us as well Thank you. Um, and i know we'll leave with a few things in our mind yeah. about, um, about that as well so appreciate that hey before you go i ask everyone this question when they come onto the podcast so when you were um when you were young when you were a little yep. kid what did you want to be when you grew up when oh. you grew up this is a weird one because yeah i I'm not quite sure what I, I wanted to, I never really had the drive to want to be anything. Um, and just sort of fell into most of my stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that, you got me there. You got me. <laughs> yeah, well, bad. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I don't know. The reason why I ask it to give yeah, you an idea, the reason why I ask it is like, is that like we, we, a lot of our, you know, we, you know, as a social enterprise and as the work we do with a lot of our young people that we, we, um, you know, we interview, and I think it's just making sure that, I suppose the listeners and all that feel that, you know, young people grow up, they have ambitions and they have dreams like we're all the same, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and it doesn't matter where you go in the end, it's, it's nice sometimes to, to get reflect. Plus, we get some absolute dynamite answers yeah, that you would yeah. not expect well, from some people as well. So you're not kind of, you don't have to answer, but that's why, that was the reason. honestly? I didn't really want to be alive past 25 uh, and I wanted to be a heroin yeah. addict. Yeah. So that's exactly I was what... very successful. Yeah. Where there you go. You were very yeah, successful. Yeah. I'm glad though you weren't so successful that, after that. At becoming yeah. that, but not at maintaining it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what we ask it, Dean. That's what we ask it. Yeah. I think there was a little bit of shame I had around, uh, you know, and not wanting to sort of, you know, big note that as something that I wanted to do or want, you know, it's sort of like I had the luxury of wanting to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. sort of scenario, like that, you know, if, yeah. Um, but, but, but you know, that, that's, that's the reality of the situation. I didn't really want to, I honestly didn't expect to be alive past 30, 27. I was like, let's have a good time. Yeah. 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 And look, appreciate that answer, appreciate that honesty, and that's why I asked that yeah, question no. because we get so many diverse <laughs> yeah. answers. I'm going to go and it, listen to them all now. It's re- yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's really interesting as well where people's heads are, and not simply similar to you. There's been some that have been real challenging. I think just bring it back to reality. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. as well. So, look, really appreciate that, Dean. Really appreciate the work that you're doing, mate. Like, it, it, like yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You know, obviously, I've you know saw from a distance. 
um, and uh, and uh, yeah, couldn't you know, couldn't be more I suppose appreciative of someone like yourself who's doing that work in the field that you're doing and, and trying to you know every day help people and help the system as well like that. So um, so thank you for doing that, mate, and thank you for sharing your story and and uh, with us today. It's been a, it's been a privilege. Uh, thank thanks guys. I thanks for the opportunity and and for the being open minded, and you know. I think one thing I'd really like to leave everybody with is like change is different. Change is uncomfortable. This is where like I'm, I'm that change agent, you know, I'm saying stuff that you haven't heard and some people might feel uncomfortable about, but if you want something different, we have to do something different. And I'm trying to like look at solutions and provide different ways and mechanisms and uh, catalysts to allow people to change. Well That's said, right. mate. You keep up the great work. Cheers, guys. Um, yeah, pleasure. If anything in today's episode has raised any issues for you or someone you know, head over to our website for a full list of services that may help at ymcarebuild.org.au under the podcast tab. This podcast was produced by Mick Cronin and Mark Wilson. Editing done by Mark Wilson.